guys, this is Sophia, and I'm here with the Decan Show. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Welcome to your tribe. You'll check it out. A whole new generation of young people today who belong nowhere. But I prefer to be an outcast. Third culture kids, where the concept of the Dukan is the, the corner shop or the top We are live outside. Hey, yo, what's up, people? What up, nation? It's a revolution of expression. You tuned into the Dukan Show. Stay tuned in. Arab digital generation is shaping our identity, their creative expression, and their future. So please give a very warm welcome to the Dukan Welcome to your tribe. Hi, Sophia. Hi, uh, Sophia. Yes. Are we starting? Oh, we, we, start. we just kind of... Oh, all right, all right, cool. We had your Moroccan song and everything in it. That's how we're starting the show. <laughs> no. That's how we're going to cut that. That's how the other song is. I don't, I don't approve. I didn't sign a contract. <laughs> <laughs> we don't fact check. The title of this podcast oh, is it. The Moroccan Lullaby. <laughs> Sophia, tell us for the listeners that are listening that don't know who Fia is. Give us a little intro about Fia. A little introduction about myself. Yeah, yeah. Like I had no idea you were. Like, yo, we're going to get Fia on the show. I'm like, alright, who's Fia? I know, I know you from your Instagram, but I don't know you. Yeah. Mm, <laughs> I don't know where to start. Um, from the top. I mean, the look is fly, so I figured like you must have something to do with fashion or style. So. Yeah. So I'm a content creator. I work with a lot of brands. Um, I guess I could say I specifically work within the modest fashion community. Modest. Modest fashion. Nice. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of little things. I mean, shoot some questions. What's like your that. background? What do you do? Where, how'd you get here? Um, well, I've been, my family's been out here for 12 years. So okay. I kind of grew up here, I guess, in the third culture Dubai kid. Boom. Um, One of the tribe. Welcome. Hello. How long have you guys been out here? <laughs> um, 10 years. No, this is my 11th year. This was your 11th year? Uh, Dubai, 11th year, but I was born in Abu Dhabi. Kid. All right. I mm. uh, was born in Sudan, and then two months later, my mom kind of followed my dad here because she's like, "What you doing out there?" So <laughs> she brought me out with her. <laughs> you live here with this boy, and you're going to buy that. I was like, oh, "I'm coming. I'm bringing him with me." So that's what happened, okay. um, and been here since. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. So how do you guys like it out here? That's fresh. Yeah, it's home-ish. It's yeah, home. It kind of is home. Like yeah. I was happy to be back when I came in yesterday from the airport. I said, "Welcome back home." Like, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's that feeling now every yeah. time you come back yeah, yeah and, it's the same as, and it's the same thing we always say like I was in Lebanon already I was like okay I need to go back to Dubai Khalas. I'm yeah. done it's that, yeah. Like yeah it's home. home exactly okay so it's the same thing for you 12 years mm-hmm. and before that North Carolina North Carolina that's country where? Charlotte uh, Durham okay close yeah you're close that's like that's like the, the second Sudan. Yeah, can you explain? <laughs> can someone explain why? Huh? So many Sudanese oh people. <laughs> North Carolina yeah. and Virginia yeah, yeah. are like Sudan. Why? <laughs> is it why they one all sleep till four? No, no they all moved there. They all moved there. Like, but is it because one Sudanese family moved there and I don't then brought know their? No, it's like it's like Lebanon and Dearborn. Yeah, and Dearborn, <laughs> Michigan. Michigan. <laughs> I'm telling you now, you don't even need to speak English if That's you're born. You, you can function. Yeah, it's the same thing. Like, it was so funny when, when, I, when I went for my studies to California, my dad's like, okay, you have your uncle in Virginia. In Virginia. <laughs> you call him. He is there. Also, there is Ahmed Abdel Qadir. And I don't know. When he started naming all these people, here is numbers. <laughs> I wish. I was like, well, I don't have He's like, you have to. I'm going for. You have vacation? Yes, bye-bye. Okay, so you go visit. <laughs> then, Charlotte, North Carolina. <laughs> you will visit your Auntie Maha. 
<laughs> and I don't know who. Like, this other list. And then, it tur- like, as I, the more Sudanese people I spoke to, they're like, yo, everybody's there. Like, he probably got himself. The why did I have to do a visa then? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. Like, months. Why? Just said. why am I applied for my US visa? I could have just called one of them uncles, but no. So I didn't end up seeing them. I ended up going to see one of my uncles in Arizona because he's the only one I know in Arizona. Okay. So I, because. I had a feeling it was going to be like a Sudanese family visit. If I'm in Virginia, then I have to visit everybody in Virginia. Mm-hmm. So I just avoided it. So you said no. <laughs> so like, yeah, you're no. like, uh, mm-hmm. computer says We're not no, going to do not. this. No. So, okay, so you're North Carolina. All right. Yeah, North Carolina. Native. A lot of Sudanese friends. All right. <laughs> yeah. When you start okay. your journey in content creation, was it when you were in the States or when you came out here? Uh, or? When I was out here, I was in high school. I was homeschooled. So it all kind of started because I went to an all-girls school, private school out here, and um, we just had a uniform, mm. you know? And then I was homeschooled and I had to go to like the center, somewhere here in Knowledge Village, actually. And I had to actually wear regular clothes. And I was so like used to wearing uniforms all the time, I didn't know how to break out of that, so I would take pictures of my outfits so I could remember them for like the next week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then this one time I just posted on Instagram, and that was like, what, close six, seven years ago. Was a while back. That was that was it. That was your kickoff. That was kind of where it kicked off. Yeah. And nice. It kind of blew up from there. And why modest fashion? Because I wear hijab. Okay. So that basic, simple. Yeah. And how did these two worlds come together for you? Because like, I don't know. I feel like it's always been a point of controversy to some degree. Like. Yeah. Opposing viewpoints on them. Yeah. Um, I think it really depends on your family, community, hmm. how you grew up, where you grew up and how um, you kind of perceive what hijab is to you, what it means to you, and how you like to dictate that. Mm. Um, But here being in Dubai, I felt free to kind of dress however I liked, you know, and I dressed in a way that's modest for me. So I think it's a very personal thing. Mm. But yeah, there's always that, you know, hijab, really, can you do hijab and fashion and revealing this, revealing that, or, you know, it's it's different, I think, everywhere you go. Yeah, and I think like, because for me, it was always interesting. Because uh, growing up in Sharjah, I noticed it was a big part of self-expression for a lot of people. Like, even here, sometimes they're like the Egyptian hijab or like the Lebanese hijab. Yeah, they're different stuff. styles. Yeah, like the way it's wrapped. And like, there's always a conversation around it. Mm-hmm. But it was always an Arabic conversation. It never transcended beyond into like international fashion statements uh, yeah. or becoming a global conversation piece and I was always intrigued by that and not until recently like you started seeing a few modest models or hijabis and we were saying like before we kind of started recording mm-hmm. that they somehow started appearing so what I'm curious about is because you've been in it for so long I mean as a hijabi yourself before it becoming a fashion thing mm-hmm. um, you've witnessed this progression yeah right? definitely um, what was that like? Yeah. And what was that like, especially like with international lights? Um, um, I guess starting off was frustrating. You know, I live in Dubai, so we have the luxury of wearing a habaya out, and it's fine. No one bats an eye about it. But then when you go to America, it's like you have to change the way you dress to kind of assimilate so that, you know, you're not bringing too much negative attention to yourself and just let you feel more comfortable. Hmm. Um and me, you know, being an adolescent and young woman, I wanted to dress in a way that was expressive, in a way that I enjoyed. You know, women like to feel confident. They like to dress nice. Um, so it was a struggle in the beginning because I would go out and I would struggle to find things that kind of fit that modest mm. um, 
subscription. I mean, prescription? Prescription? What do I say? The guidelines of what I, I thought was modest. And um, it was difficult. And now, uh, because there's so much money within this category, this demographic, you see a lot of brands coming into the region mm. um, with the Ramadan collections, with the photo shoots, um, which is interesting. And yeah, it's definitely been a hot topic within the global fashion community. We have um, Halima Aiden, who's the first hijabi That's model. True, we have yeah. Maria Dreesi in the UK, who did a, she started off uh, because she did a campaign with H&M, and this was like maybe two, three years ago. So you s you're seeing little snippets, bits here and there, and um, it's, it's interesting to kind of see how it's progressed over the past few years. Even the Nike Pro hijab, too, from, a, from an athlete perspective. Mm. Yeah. Was that a plug, or are you just... No, no. It's part of the conversation. It, I, I think, what, what do you feel about... I, I found it fascinating that my whole life, no one really considered, no one in the fashion industry really considered this market until they realized there were dollars in the market or mm. cash in the market. Mm. Does it matter to you that the reason, I think, that a lot of the brands are getting on board, the primary justification is because per capita, a lot of Arab women actually have a lot of expendable income. Yep. Not Arab women, but women who want to dress modestly, you know, with, with, you know, with a modest approach. Even in this region, because that's where they're targeting. Because I saw some of the, the presentations that went out to begin the justification for actually creating a subsection in fashion brands for modest uh, women. And it all came down to the dollars. It begins, each, each presentation deck began with the average income per house, the average expendable income per household is XYZ. On beauty, on fashion, on makeup, right. on perfume, does that, on mm -hmm. cologne. Does that play in any way? Like, does that bother you? Does it make you happy? Does it matter at all? I don't know. I can't say um, it necessarily bothers me because I feel like that's something that they would do for any category, whatever it is. You know, it's a business and... The ultimate goal is to make money. So if they see that they're able to make X, Y, Z uh, within a certain demographic, they're going to do that regardless. Yeah. And because I think um, annually, the Muslim population spends around 300, 350 billion dollars. Yeah. And the modest fashion community spends approximately about 40 billion of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it is a very... It's a lucrative market. Yeah. A market that wasn't seen before. Yep. It's like when they found like oil in Bahrain recently. I'm like, how did you just find... Like, where what? Like, it was there the whole time, but just no one looked. Like, yeah. and or it wasn't packaged in a way that was palatable to the larger brands. Um, so now, as you kind of... So you were a part of this upswing, if you will. Yeah. Like, I think you kind of started right time right like right place right time is there anything that you do that makes what makes you unique in this world of like modest content oh, co content creators who encourage modest like fashion what makes me unique i don't know if that's something that you can ask someone like hey what makes you special yeah, no, amongst everyone else um i think everyone has um their own sense of style and everyone has something different to bring to the table and i think you know that applies to myself you know Everyone kind of, we all view each other differently. So what I may see as unique, someone else will perceive that differently. Um, but yeah, I've been around for a while. I feel like I'm one of the... OGs? I don't want to <laughs> say, say OGs, but I've just been around for so long. 
I've just seen so much happen. And I think um, social media definitely played one of the biggest roles yeah. because we were able to kind of speak for ourselves. We didn't have yeah. the news speaking for us like, oh, Muslim women are being treated like this or Muslim. We were able to kind of speak for ourselves. And whether it was YouTube or Instagram, you know, people were able to say like, hey, they have regular lives and hey, they do like fashion. and Yeah, they do wear makeup and this and that. I mean, whenever I'm abroad, people are like, oh, you know, can I go to the beach in Dubai? Like, am I allowed to go to the beach? Like, yeah. Am I allowed to wear this? Like, what is it like in Dubai? Like, I'm, I, it baffles me because I live here and I know the state of, of the city, you know, uh, but outside of Dubai and within the Western world, and especially within America, <laughs> everyone is just really confused. They don't really know what to kind of take on really and and when you say people you mean like just the, the normal people around or are you talking also brands when you sit down with them and discuss uh dubai and fashion in dubai and modest women in dubai before mm -hmm. um it was really difficult to kind of to bring this forward to the table yeah like, hey i am a muslim woman and i wear a scarf and i want to work with you guys to do something for this demographic or this these women it wasn't a thing. It was just not a thing. <laughs> you just True. couldn't do it. No, you couldn't. Because, you know, Islam or Muslims in general didn't necessarily play the best role within society because of all the news and all the negative stigma around it. Well, so they played wonderful roles in society, but those roles were, were never not highlighted. Reflected. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know? That's what I'm trying to say. Within society, what society perceives them yeah. as, this is what you see in the news when you watch CNN or Fox News or whatever, you're in America wherever you are like it didn't necessarily have the best reputation yeah on a global international scale and that was a problem a brand is not going to come out and do something for this community uh when all the other customers are going to dislike that yeah you know at the end of the day but now because of everything happening um political on a political stance just internationally globally people are kind of coming more to especially women are coming together putting the differences aside and um like i said social media really did play a big role mm -hmm. Because it kind of it kind of gave us a human aspect to yeah. us, mm -hmm. yeah. Like, and oh. it made you accessible. <laughs> yeah, it made you accessible to the average person if they could find you. Um, you you know they could. you 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 own the narrative. You yeah. said this is well. This is what I want to say. Absolutely about myself, and uh, take it or leave it. And you think brands are are doing or did a good job in doing their homework before they dwelled into the the industry? No, no, definitely not. Um, and uh, I mean, what can I say? These br it's it's at the end of the day, it's like the goal is money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know. Um, and I think even outside of this this community, it's like, for, uh, did you guys see how H and M had that little logo? Mm -hmm. You know, what is yeah. it, what did it say? King of the Jungle? Yeah, and it was the like the monkey. The monkey. The monkey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, the little monkey, kid. The king of the jungle. Yeah, 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 they've had a few things happen lately. The, so what was <laughs> yeah. it? Something. Oh yeah. yeah. They yeah. had a few. And there are like a few other brands where, you know, a few uh, a few discriminating things come up, but people call them out. Mm. You know, this is not the time and age where you can do something and kind of get away, get away with, with it. it. Yeah. yeah. But here's the question. So, because like not getting away with stuff has been, it's been a thing for a while now as long as, since social media got its legs mm. and people can say what they want to say online. Um, you, there's a lot you can't get away with anymore. Mm -hmm. But uh, I feel like it's been there long enough that, and this is just my theory, I could be completely wrong, but I feel like brands figured that game out. Mm -hmm. so oh, then, you mean it's like a PR ploy? Exactly, like it's an intentional play. Um, right? So like m that was my mm -hmm. question, like because that went up and people got fired up and that reaction occurred. 
It's a right? very brave so PR play, if you ask me. That's and the and thing. And, and, and there's no longevity of um, of negative feedback online. Like that, you know, people got angry. It was for 48, 72 hours. And then the next thing came about and people moved on. So now that anger, does that result in a boycott for H&M? Did it result in a stock drop for H&M? Did it result in business equations that actually matters to them as a brand? Right? Because I feel like they just got a lot of free press. They did. Right? Um, um, 100% they did. and I, But I think that in, I don't think that it was intentional. Like, I don't think that... No, because I'm in the industry. Like, when we develop, when I come in as a strategist and pitch a campaign to any brand, mm -hmm. and you have been on the brand side for a few years in the marketing game, the line, the, the levels of approval that That's you what I was thinking as well. Yeah. But then you also have things like Pepsi. But oh, that's the, exactly the it. Jenner yeah. situation. But there, they skipped everybody. Yeah, they yeah. just, it was a board decision. They're like, we think this is going to work. Yeah, and I remember <laughs> me and you talking about because we're like, even if somebody did a typo, there's a lot of filters that this oh is going to go through God, for this time. Yeah. So it's, uh, unless it saying. was, they no, really I wanted left, it to happen. So, to give you well, an example, no, but there I left can my be job. a blindness through, there, we've seen, I've seen it happen where there's a true blindness from the beginning all the way to the end. It's just there's a there's a creative that's driving mm. it and driving it and driving it and almost hiding the, the, the but you that's know. because like okay so I pitched this I what? pitched a, a candy brand in March okay yeah. and won the account for my old company which was a multi million dollar contract mm -hmm. and I left what I left in June you did yeah July I started my own business now we're in April mm -hmm. it just went live your because, campaign the course. campaign you worked on sorry. yeah so that is the approval process. Right, Sometimes and that's for like that a, that's for a candy brand, and that's for candy. Yeah, right. But, but the sensitivities and the things you got to be aware of, and is this okay? Is this not okay? What do you start with? What do you don't? Because you're in the machine, you forget actually how long it takes for the public to see it. I the understand process that goes in it. I understand, but sometimes I'm I'm not I'm not I don't I I don't want to come across as advocating for the brand because I'm the first to actually you know go up and and really yeah. say something about it, but. I've seen in groups of people, junior marketing managers who are, because you know what's happened through the advertising industry is it's actually shrinking in some Massively, ways. Yeah. And so seniors are getting fired or leaving or yeah. starting their own boutique agencies, leaving juniors in positions that don't have the um, evaluation experience that is required, you know. And or, or get all their insights from social media. Yeah, mm -hmm. or they get their insights from social media. And OT um, has a really great talk where mm -hmm. he actually shows us, you know, in, in yeah. some ways. Data can tell you one thing, and a junior will lean on data yeah. because that's what they know. It's safe. You can get it signed off. And data, if you look at it, will get you the Kendall Jenner yeah. ad, you know? And data, if you look at it from the H&M perspective, granted... Bro, all the agencies after that talk will be my best friend. What? The, the links one? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. I hear it. The one where you talk about... Uh, yeah. The whole, like, because I highlighted that. I got into the data equation, right? Like, because um, Sophia was just talking about the Kendall Jenner thing. Because, mm. like, even that is, is... If you look at the numbers, it works, right? I.e., what is currently happening in America? Everybody is marching. E Black Lives Matter. Yeah. You have anti-Trump. I mean, like, all I these don't happen, know. Right? But that's the thing. The, the data numbers show that. What was missing was a cultural equation. Yeah. That wasn't there. 
No, they so totally skipped look, that they, bit. They missed, yeah. they missed that memo. <laughs> exactly. Missed so memo. when you look at the numbers, so this is what America is doing. All right, who are the most popular people in America today? Oh, the Kardashians. Let, let's get the cheapest one. But look at who right? the Kardashians. <laughs> I put them together. <laughs> that's what you get. Yeah, because look at who demographically and psychographically follow the exactly. Kardashians. It's not necessarily all white women. It's mm. women from, it's women of color. It's, it's women because they identify as Armenian. Mm. So yeah. they, that's considered women of color in a demographic and like statistic. In an American chart. Of in them, an American yeah. chart. Like, do you know what I mean? So I think like I, the, our industry, the industry is seeing a shift. I think I've seen it happen too many times where the juniors actually pass things through where you and I both have been like, do not let that yeah. go past this point. Like we've jumped off a job because we knew that's not the right way to do this. But how many people are like us? There's so few of us, yeah. and we end up starting our own businesses. What we can't the be thing in the is, there's mm-hmm. so many people that go through this, you know, evaluation process. There must have been like one person <laughs> that was like, "Yo, like, I'm not 100 percent." Was there no this. black person on this team? <laughs> you know, because like, <laughs> uh, but actually, that's actually a good point. There was, but they're not. They don't occupy levels of it, of, of uh, They don't. They don't op- occupy level positions no. so no, but like I, as soon know. as you like yo this is offensive guys yo hello you're a team member right here i'm letting you know this doesn't work where's the rest of his crew that was like oh yeah okay like no you know they clocked out at six they went to the <laughs> bar they're done <laughs> this is a check mark yeah. we think so deeply about these issues because we're culturally in tune and, aware. and we have on in, uh, and we have on ground insights we see it in front yeah. of us we don't yeah, see it on it a plays floor out we don't see it, yeah. yeah you're right you're right <laughs> on that note, um, I, I do think that, w- well, f- for example, Saudi Fashion, what is it? Yeah, Saudi, Saudi Fashion, fashion week, week happened right? this week, right? This the weekend. Arab Fashion Week? The Arab Fashion Week, this weekend. And I know that, who was I speaking? I was speaking to a few girls that were like, they don't think it's going to go through. Right before, mm-hmm. like, the All night the before. The right, yeah, they didn't even know if it was going to happen so. or not. But for me, that revolutionary practice of women able to walk the runway in in a world that wasn't necessarily possible before says a lot to me about the state of where we are you know we're making gains but they may not necessarily be the you know the gains that we that you know that's complete like that they don't feel complete yet but yeah. that's because the journey is pro- progressing been, yeah. right but at least it's showing even a tad result yes yeah. absolutely but actually even if you look on youtube i remember looking on youtube um, for many things and one of the things that I noticed was the women who were modest so women in hijabs who were, mus- who were Muslim women that were doing makeup tutorials or uh, head wrap tutorials or scarf mm. tutorials they got the amount of their comments the, where they got trolled so badly so aggressively really? yeah man you should go, go scroll back I'll show you some no, of but the wait, why? I think it's because the, the world just wasn't exposed to it yet this was like six years ago oh okay. you, I think you deal with that as well I personally don't but I okay. have friends that do okay. and I think the reason is because when women wear hijab people expect them to act a certain way look yeah. a certain way be a certain way so for you to be expressive or to just be yourself sometimes is problematic to the public. Yeah. They don't know how to accept, oh, a hijabi who's traveling on her own, like, oh, you need a mahram, or oh, you can't do this, or oh, some of your hair is showing, you're not allowed to wear red lipstick because that brings attention. Like, there's, like, people feel they have a say in what you can do and who you can be because you wear hijab. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, oh, yeah. that's not modest, that's not what it says in the Quran, that's haram, you can't. Like, but if I took off my hijab, and I'm still Muslim, I'm still the same Nobody exact person, no one says anything about it. Hmm. It's just people think they have some kind of right to place judgment and um, call you out when you wear a hijab. 
which makes mm. it very like I know girls that have taken it off because really? of that. The, because this of, played a part in it. Ah, uh, yeah. It, it played was a, a part. Voice. Like it was a voice in their head that kind of. Yeah, imagine people saying like, "Yo, take it off. You don't deserve to wear hijab, or you're you're a bad role model, or you're this, or you're that, or you're gonna go to." Like I read a message. Uh, someone sent. Um, a friend of mine who's a big influencer, they're like, I hope your plane crashes and you die. No. Do you know what I mean? This is the kind of hate they got. And it's like Muslim people, mm. other Muslims, um, giving them this hard time. And it's uh, usually from the community, unfortunately. Yeah, so the people the they know. Huh? So it's like people they know. or No, people within the, like the Muslim community. Mm. Damn, that is heavy. Those girls, I just remember that because we would... Um, yeah, I just, it was, YouTube had kind of just begun. So you could easily troll through, like, you could go through, and you could find only, there were only, like, three or four girls. There weren't many. And it always started with threading, how to thread your eyebrow tutorials. Like, mm. it always started there. And then it went to more stuff, right? This shows you Reem's uh, searches back in the day. It's called Insight. <laughs> Till today. And, like, uh, yeah, and, like, no, I do think I remember feeling, I remember feeling, because I was never, I, I had, friends from all fast all, from all across the spectrum of how they found God in different ways and uh, the hijab anytime they wore it or took it off they they when you get in the public eye you're politicized that's it the moment you're in public and you're wearing you're the hijab yeah. you are a political statement whether you like it or not and you're not even your own political statement it's not a statement you're making that's your relationship with God that has nothing to do with anyone else yeah it's you an know? individual practice yeah yeah it's very interesting but the world of fashion, I think, is a, is a really unique... Um, what's happening in the world of fashion right now is a recognition yeah. for modest fashion. for Because of what we said before. Because there is a consumer there yeah. that has a specific voice that wants to be targeted. And uh, that's part of why it's happening. Like, like, so yeah, it's so funny because like, um, I remember back in like 07 or something, we're in London, like family trip, we're out of town. And my mom's hijabi, so she gets attacked by this actually not my mom my dad this british drunk woman on the street comes at my dad and like how dare you it's because of people like you women are being put down and she's being this feminist and she's going at him and my dad just stood there and smiled the entire time and she's like you men like you you're making this place a dangerous world what was your dad doing dad, chilling we're walking we're tourists we're walking <laughs> down the street if, if you've ever met Oti's Oti's dad is like <laughs> yeah, I didn't like perpetually chill man. yeah he's just chill like, eventually no my dad looks at her he's like he's like wallah I told her <laughs> I told her but she likes that hijab you, you talk to her and he walks off <laughs> 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 and this woman just stood there stumped looking at my dad and he's like tell her tell her and he leaves and she's like oh okay <laughs> You and know, and that's the best thing to do because they expect the reaction. And when you don't react, yeah, well, yeah. My, my dad will never give you that reaction. reaction yeah. You know, but like, it, it goes to show like there was, as you're saying, like you just politicize because of what you're wearing. Yeah, but right? but it's also like there, it's part of obviously a larger media play to target like to target a very specific kind of person and very specific, you know, way of life mm. because that makes there's a culture of fear that needs to be sustained, mm. right? But. Um, when I when I look at it and I look at the world of fashion now and I look once you get brands like Nike on board the world yeah. is shifting whether you like it or not yeah. it was Nike alone has a larger GDP than Sudan like I'll yeah. tell you right Nike makes matter. more money than Sudan makes so in, inevitably the world will shift in yeah. that direction but my question to us as the culture is how are we shaping it to make it ours because yeah. that could easily like spin out out of our hands and, and get redictated to us you know um, or it can be positioned in the wrong way by a brand that just doesn't know. Yeah, but maybe maybe to your point, 
you own your narrative. Like I don't, I do. How, how do you collaborate with brands? Do you, like I know you do collaborate with them, but how do you make sure that your voice is not that your voice is your own when you collaborate with them? I try to. When I collaborate with brands, normally they give me the freedom to kind of do what I want. You know, there's certain guidelines of like, oh, this these things need to be executed. Um, but in terms of the way I dress and the things that I feel are me or the way that I express myself, I usually have freedom to do so. Otherwise, I wouldn't necessarily do it. Because if I'm not comfortable with something, mm-hmm. there's just... You're not going to do it. Yeah. So you're part of the creative process from the get-go? Yeah, definitely. Okay. I always like to have some kind of creative flow. Um, because it's such it can be such a sensitive thing because... Mm-hmm. When um, I put an image out, it's out there in the internet, and it's it. Whether I like it or not, I represent a demographic. Yeah, exactly. So I feel um, some sort of responsibility to do so in the best way that I can. Yeah. So um, before an image is released, I I would like to kind of review it and approve of it because I'm like, hey, you know, I'm not comfortable with that, the way that this looks or that looks. Um, can we look through something else? Okay. Or, yeah, just bits like that. I like to be um, as uh, Involved as possible. Okay, cool. What is it about about this entire thing now with social and the way it's been going that maybe you don't necessarily like or you can change? As small or as big? As mm, I wish um, these companies, brands, PR would involve, especially mm. when you're trying to target um, Muslim women that wear hijab. Involve women that wear hijab. Yeah. You know, when the board consists of Brittany, Megan, Rebecca, and Ashley, there's no Fatma, there's no Khadija, there's (laughs) no Maytha, there's no Moza in there. Yeah. It becomes problematic because you get these campaigns, you get these projects and all this stuff that almost doesn't make sense. It's kind of like when you go on Google Translate, you write something in English, you say what's wrong in Arabic. That's what it feels like. Yeah, believe it or not, a lot of brands did that mistake of just like Google Translating. Yeah, yeah. 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 Full on. So um, I wish there was more involvement because we have insight. I I am a Muslim, <laughs> and I'm the you're the target. You're right on. You're the target demographic for mm-hmm. a lot of the. You cut across the spectrum right now because mm-hmm. you yeah, you're oh, you're a working woman. Mm-hmm. You yeah, you do. Like so. I'm sure the Dolce and Gabbana campaign didn't have but even see, one. But you know what? A lot of a lot of um, brands don't think. Well, it's not brands. Let's not talk. It's the market. It's the brand. It's the it's the manage like it's the account manager in that moment. Mm-hmm. It's a person. It does come down to a person because there's always a project lead. It's not like this is a brand altogether thinking like a hive mind. No, there's there is somebody that signs great, off. Sorry. Yeah, someone that signs off. That signs off, mm-hmm. and there's somebody who came up with the idea, and or there's came someone up with who the brief to the you, agency, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I feel like we should we should always kind of clarify that it's not the brand as a whole; it's the person yeah. sitting yeah, in yeah. front. So here's a question now, because whether it's that campaign or any of the other ones, um, nothing has really shifted, right? I.e., when we joke about Kendall Jenner and Pepsi, or when we address any of these major ones, they all came out with an apology afterwards yeah. because they felt the pressure. Yeah. Is it our fault that we're not calling them out? Are yes. we self-censoring ourselves too yeah, much and holding back? Because like. Me. In my mind, yes. Yeah. In my mind, yeah. I mean, like, I always think because we live in a city that is, you know, we, we have rules that we have to abide by. There are rules of engagement to mm-hmm. live and play here. That I, this is the city I love the most in the world. So yeah. I pl- I know the social contract and I, I play within those rules. But there are days where you and I have long yeah. conversations and I say, should we have said something about that? Like, should we have the called question, them are out? These, 
but these brands are bound by the same social contract, aren't they? Oh, they are, absolutely. But you and I both know people in the brands. Hmm? Do you know what I mean? More often, there, there isn't anyone in the city that the, the three of us in this room, because I don't really know your network, but the three of us in this room, we could get to anyone in the city. But we don't, because we're tired, because we want karak, and rather than <laughs> I want to go sit and chill and eat sometimes. Hmm. And because we're, we're going all pissed and spiring all the time. So we pick our battles. But there are moments when I sit down and I look and I'm like, we could have changed that. Like but, we could have done something. About but here's a question: What 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 can we do if even when you look at the at the mass numbers of the campaign and you see that there's a lot of people that actually liked it, but because they don't see it the same way we do. Yeah, no. yeah. Like I'm gonna say the Dolce and Gabbana because it's the most recent one. It's the it's the most one on my mind. Like when you look at the comments or when you look at the at the how people perceived it, there was there's a big mass that just oh my god, I love it. Oh my god, this is so cool. So, but they don't look at <laughs> it the way to that come we to do. that. I would like to qualitate to go through like. A qualitative analysis of who's commenting and yeah, what. Yeah, I know. Because I, know. I don't. We I don't had a similar experience. <laughs> no, because <laughs> we had a similar experience where we we got into a bit of a conflict with a brand, right? Mm -hmm. And we had a phone and a, a long phone call with them where their argument was that we're like, yo, this is culture inappropriate. What you guys are doing is wrong, and this is unacceptable. And the community is unhappy. The public is unhappy, and they're not buying. And they're like, yeah, but you know what? They're showing their happiness with their open wallets. I'm like, listen. If Mikey and John and Carl are buying, doesn't make it right, right? It's kind of back to what you were saying. Where's Ahmed Khalifa and Nawaf? You know, they're the ones not buying. So it is still exploitative. It is still appropriation. It is still wrong, right? And to to your point, usually the comments are from those guys where they actually don't know what they're. Yeah, looking no hundred. But yeah, and you see, that's from a mass impact. There's a lot of Johnnies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know what I mean? There's exactly. a lot of Johnny's. There's a lot news. of Johnny's. Yeah, and no. that's what and that and that's what I, what I want to come to is that that's why brands, even though when we come and talk to them about if it's appropriate or not, they'll still go ahead with the next campaign that's similar to the first one because they see those numbers. Because a lot of brands just look at numbers, hmm. and that's why you, even though it's wrong or it's not wrong, but maybe it's culture sensitive or it doesn't fit, but they see all all this positive quote unquote feedback, they'll still do another one that's similar. Yeah. So yeah. How, so now because you were saying, what can we do? So what can we do to even show that, even though, how can we challenge the numbers? I think the way we do it is by celebrating and w lifting people who drive their own narrative. That, mm -hmm. that is an authentic narrative. Yeah. And that's what we're doing. We're doing that piecemeal every day in, the off in our off hours. Like, we do that. But that's why I feel like, and I always say, we don't ever call, we do kind of, we're not influencers. No. We're, what we're doing is cultural work. We're just kind of, like, mapping the road, mapping the ground. And where I can, I'll lift those that have a voice that I feel says this is who I am authentically, completely. And it speaks like beauty to, to the world and to the Arab world. But that's the best that we can do. If we're going to go into, you you guys both know, like OT's this approach, qualitative analysis of every single content, a comment, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I just want to call, let's call people together. <laughs> let's all sit down and be like, Baba, don't do let's that. Let's get some food. <laughs> let's get some tea. Let's, let's talk about that. it. That's Come a terrible on, idea people. what you've done, my friends. That's terrible. <laughs> oh, no, my, usually my approach is I'm going to go to the brand manager myself and be like, listen, you need an agency like mine. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but, but that's, but that's, that's true, my idea. That's, that's why you don't play. Though. And, and But the truth is that, and, I, and you're right, is that we're trying to figure it out too. Like, we don't really know yeah, exactly. the shape of our culture. Like, we actually don't know that. You know, if you've only been around for six years online, I can't wait to see what you're going to be in 31 years. Do you know what I mean? Online? No, but maybe, I don't even know how we're going to be offline. Or do right? we get more on? VR, VR. Yeah, but do you see what I mean? Is like, you know, we're putting our time in now to shaping the culture yeah. and becoming this voice that we are. But the only way, brands are 
brands answer to what we want. They do. They, they answer to what people want. I don't believe they do things on their own. They do what the masses want. Yeah. So basically, we've just got to get to mass. The moral of this story. <laughs> but for me, it's like when you talk about brands, there are individuals within these brands. Mm-hmm. It's a collective of people. So who are these individuals that are you know, making these campaigns, sitting down, writing up these projects, and approving all these things? I think that's really what it comes down to. And I feel as a whole, our generation is very um, aware of the world, whether it's the political stance, economical, um, social media, just there's so much going on, but we're kind of all connected. You know, with globalization, we're all kind of Mm -hmm. connected in one way or another. We all kind of know the news of what's going on, what's what's the hot topic at the moment. So these brands do have these um, younger and upcoming employees that are going to be up there one day and hopefully (laughs) make the right decisions. So for me, when I look at a brand, I'm like, it's not just the brand. It's like 15 people, 15 individuals. Exactly. So why hasn't anyone said anything? Yeah. Well, in our experience, people do say something. If you know there is a brand, there is a brand that we had like what Oti said, yeah. a contentious moment with. Um, we know for a fact people approached them and said, guys, this is appropriation. What yeah. you're doing is appropriation. What did the, the, the it, shot it, caller decided the sh- to go to uh, go ahead because because at the end of the day as well, hip hop will teach us, right? Mm that hip-hop itself was merely a medium that was exploited and ogs didn't know what was happening when it was happening like we talked they to them we talked to africa bombata we talked to them they're alive yeah. we asked them and they all say the same thing bro i was a poor kid like yeah. i just wanted like you know they they tell they tell us the same but the advice they give us is to own your media to yeah. own the media to own the narrative to own so that nobody can exploit it for you you know because that was what happened with hip-hop that's what i feel it was, it's the closest culture that's been created that sounds and looks yeah, like and you see it own. in every single documentary movie book that is about hip-hop yeah on how they're exploited yeah and continue to be but now you can't disconnect it from the brands there's no it's now part and parcel because it's been a, what 10 15 years in the making now hmm. these relationships have been forged um but at the time you would look at the brand and the brands were the first to put money into b-boys and put the first to put money into calligraphy and sculpture sculptors and whatever you know Mm -hmm. there is also a part of me that feels like look if a brand collaborates and il cid is doing the border of north korea and south korea in his arabic style calligraphy there's a part of me that's like rise like rise just go you know there is a part of me that Mm -hmm. feels conflicted but but here's the thing he by doing that he knows he has the power to say what goes where and when you're right right that's the argument it's that it's not if a brand decides to here's what brands would usually do at any moment if they want to take the LC package and figure it out I'm going to find me someone that knows how to draw Ta'al, listen do this and I'll pay you XYZ and it's going to look like his work but it's not his and it's going to be the wrong message yeah right and that's where that's where we that's where we have a problem right yeah if you pay LCD, he'll do it. Dude is good. Yeah. He knows what he's writing. Yeah. Right? He has messages. Like, he, every piece he has speaks to a deeper narrative beyond just the art. Yeah, absolutely. Right? But then, when you try to replicate it and then have a... It is a knockoff. When you have a Chinese knockoff of someone's creative work, right, is yeah. what it is. And that's where these problems arise. Um because people misinterpret it because it's not the same story that El Cid can tell within his art. Well, it's kind of like what OT always says. If you're not contributing to the culture, then you can't say that you're doing good, that inherently your practice is good. 
as a brand, as a person, as a whatever. If we're taking something and we're not giving back to the community, to the culture, your voice is not grounded yeah. in a deeper purpose. Then you just bootleg, and that's okay. But you are bootleg, <laughs> and there's, you know, there will be bootleg, <laughs> and there will be bootleg. You know, in a positive, more um, positive approach, because like we're we can we can vent and rant about this all day, <laughs> like, like, like and, it's, and I'm gonna <laughs> and the we haven't sworn once yet. So I know that's <laughs> true. I'm, just, like, I, and I'm, just, I'm actually impressed. Like, yeah, there's the only one. There's, 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 there's gonna be one some more in this, uh, <laughs> this episode, man. Is that one thought? That's it. <laughs> no, but because like. No, I feel like it, it's important that it's not venting. It's important that we address it every as many episodes as whenever it arises, and it, it's always going to be a point of conversation mm -hmm. because this is what drives momentum. Uh, eventually, like people are listening, and we know they're listening, and people are talking about what they learned from the show, um, and you know, people like yourself when we share space with and conversation and dialogue, and this is something that helps, um, I guess, elevate and teach and kind of pro propel that further as much as possible. Um, so I know on a different tangent, just to go a little off for argument's sake, um, if are do you have any plans of maybe not working with brands and starting your own yeah. as a product, or you want to move into that world Feel as a like. designer? Yeah, I've seen um, I've seen that happen a lot where um, big influencers that wear hijab start up their own hijab companies mm -hmm. or their own lines. Um, I don't necessarily think that's something I will do just yet. Personally, I'm not a designer. Like, I mm. feel like I would have to go and like study fashion design to do it properly, um, and do like what I would envision or kind of what I want to see within the fashion industry. But personally, my my ultimate goal, career-wise, is to be creative director. So, working mm. within the fashion industry to perpetuate this change, to um, be like a force to kind of like be the person at the table to be like, listen, I don't know about this idea. Let's just change it a bit to kind of not offend this culture or offend these people and, and just do it right. But you want to do that within a brand or do you want to have your own... Within a brand. As a consultant, okay. Yeah, I don't necessarily know. I don't, I don't know what the future holds, but I would like to be creative director with a magazine publication. Hmm. Yeah. Why magazine? I don't know, it's just something that, uh, that I enjoy personally. Just um, sitting and coming up with ideas, new ways, different visuals to send out um, messages. Do you read magazines? Yeah. Okay, so like you're still like old school pick up magazine paper or is it like an online yeah game? i had i brought so many magazines over from london it was uh <laughs> oh for real yeah plus, oh so I, no, I was just gonna say plus i think her being part of a magazine or a media it she'd have a mass voice on different brands than limiting herself under one brand mm. that's uh, true yeah yeah i was thinking more like agency mm. or, or, uh, or media publication so but like I don't know. I think I was asking the magazine question because, like, I feel like everything is heavily online now. So I'm yeah. not sure. I don't know. Is print how many relevant? Relevant? Is print relevant print? anymore? Um, a lot of people say print is dying. Um, but even outside of print, you know, you do a lot of uh, photo shoots and campaigns online as well. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't yeah. really you matter. You play a part in. But even yeah. magazines tell you print is dying nowadays. Yeah, well, I, see, I don't know much everyone, about everyone's the industry. investing like, into their into into online now. So, so okay, so just as a just as a question, mm. if if print is dying and everybody's going online, what's the difference between something like I don't know, uh, Haya magazine online and like a BuzzFeed Muslim women section? Like what's like how do you differentiate? Mm. Do you get what mm. I mean? You're publishing platforms now competing in a completely different arena. Like does it does it? I don't know. Maybe maybe the question is just ha like more rhetorical, but it's fast because know, it, well, the moment you go online, you're competing with the Everyone. universe. Yeah, 
Yeah. There's no but like differentiation of, it, no? of like what? That's the beauty of it. I think we need but to be But this depends on your content <laughs> and how you can be on top yeah, of top of mind yeah. on the yeah. to go in this morning or like exactly. without higher magazine instead like, of you gotta it depends your on your on. content. It's how okay. you stand out. What is it like guys guys these are the law like you're you're fighting for attention. Yeah. Right? So then yeah. it's heavily dependent on what kind of yeah. content you're creating is it some people care about. Yeah, fair enough. Fair matters enough. for anyone to see it. Like I don't know, maybe for me as as a as an Arab Middle Eastern based out in Dubai as well, like Maybe I would rather see like a FIA magazine as opposed to a BuzzFeed to tell me about hijabis. You well, get what I'm like, we like generally want, to, I don't know why we're like that, yeah. but we want to know the person. Do yeah, you get no, what we're, I mean? We're always, we're always like so, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to know the person. Yeah, because as soon as like, we know you, like, we're, we, we, we're biased about what you're saying. Yeah, we <laughs> we'll support, buy your stuff first, we, you know, we, we support we it full force. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? So, just so you know, if you do a FIA magazine, you have. We're, we're buying. We're buying. We'll buy sure. it. Like <laughs> full paid subscription, no discounts. Like okay. the whole pack. Right. Yeah. Cool. yeah. <laughs> but, but it is like, and the online guys are. I mean, the offline print guys. Like I've been seeing it. They're struggling. struggling. Yeah. Is it? Is it like actually a dying market? Yeah. So like for example, you know how they tell you, oh, circulation is fifty thousand magazines. Right. For example, so industry magazines like Campaign and those guys. Um, they're still sending magazines to offices under names of people that are not there anymore. They used to send <laughs> 15... They still do it. Calling them out right now, don't care. It's 15 copies get yeah. sent. What? So out of the 50,000 circulation, how many people is it actually reaching? Yeah. You know? And like... That's and even if it's reaching an office, it's just laying there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no. It's on a coffee table. It's on the a coffee table. I used to it's subscribe to like industry magazines, but why? When you can get them online, yeah. why? When I need you to infiltrate my feed with the most interesting clickbait ever, like how am I gonna? No, this is crazy. It's insanity. <laughs> I think it just comes down to preference. Some people like to have, you know, a the hard copy. copy. Yeah, yeah. Others are online. Yeah, are you I get do both? That. Like, I'd rather read a book, but I know, like, Omar Reem's partner, he is, like, aggressive. He's Kindle. He's all about the yeah, Kindle. Yeah, see, right? I'd rather so, like, sit down and read it. I don't know if I could sit and read a Kindle. Yeah, it's like, just mine's still preference. paper books. Yeah. yeah. It is, so, yeah, no, um, I think I think for him it's because he reads, like, voraciously. Yeah. He's, like, nonstop. He'll read, for, he'll read for hours. So the idea of having to go and purchase a book after he's just whatever, it's just all too much for him. <laughs> the Kindle allows you to purchase a book immediately. Right There's there. that instant... And when I say instant gratification, it's like, like and, immediate. And Omar is about instant gratification. Yeah. He doesn't want to work for anything. He's your <laughs> online like, yeah. consumer to a T. Watch him. Yeah. Like, when there's an extra page, he's irritated. Don't. Just get it right. Get. You have a direct artery to his bank account? Use it. Like, use it. <laughs> Don't be afraid. Like, yeah, he is about convenience. Yeah. Like, for me now, I'm like, I, I, got, I got on, like, the Apple Pay way for a while. And then I'm like, okay, I can't do this because I realize I'm spending more. Because you can Apple Pay? Because, because app, it makes things convenient. So you're just spending. So now I'm like, okay, no, you know I, what? I 100% agree. What I did, what I started doing at the beginning of the Apple month. Pay. I have self-control. I have Apple Pay and my cha- my, my payment take, has never changed. Except I take my all my expenses. <laughs> Yo, at the beginning of the month, I no, take it out in like cash. This. It's just like this. <laughs> <laughs> you have Apple Pay? Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the new Here you go. <laughs> Here you go. Here you go. Thank you. Thank you. That's why I don't do that. I can't. Now I'm back to old school cash. Can I afford it or not? If, it, if I can't count it in cash, then I'm not looking at my bank account. Well, I it. think it's a good way to live yeah. because it gives us constraints. But you know what? I, I respect the fact that you you have that sense of responsibility and you have this yeah. internal dialogue where you question these things because a lot of people don't necessarily attach responsibility to being to having an influence. Yeah. So a lot yeah. of people are like, I'm an influencer for the sake of celebrating that. 
but they they forget there's a lot of responsibilities that come with it. Yeah, like definitely. The influence and the the real influence and effect you have on younger people, be it uh, younger girls or younger guys, because they see what you're doing and they look up to that. Um, and that's the big part I think people tend to not think about as much. Or they forget that they actually yeah. influence. That, so yeah. honestly, shout out to you because audience. it's yeah. really important to kind of have that with yourself. So where do you, how do you disconnect? What do you mean? How like do where do you find do that you time for you where it's like it's not for me time? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I just. I'm very quite spontaneous. Okay. I just mm. I'll do what feels right. And for me, content creation was my escape. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of my escape, and then it just kind of turned into the. I don't think anyone, um, or before, I don't think anyone got on social media or got on YouTube thinking, yo, I'm going to be famous, I'm going to have followers, and this is going to be a thing in the future, and I'm going to make tens of thousands of dollars. Mm. I never thought that. I was like, yo, this is fun. Like, <laughs> 30 people like yeah. my picture. Woo! Yeah. You know, like, what are hashtags? 30 people um, are relatives, yes. <laughs> So, you know, that was my escape. I, I created content and I shared it. And um, I, I enjoy that sometimes now I have like some executions to make, it's a project, okay, it's a paid collaboration. But I realize people don't necessarily like that. They don't no. like that. They don't... Uh, when, you, when you have a paid collaboration? Yeah! Of course not. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting the mm. kind of engagement and the reaction yeah. you get from that. Yeah, somebody was telling me it was like, um, it was like because they feel like they have some kind of investment in you mm. because if they've been dedicated followers for such a long time suddenly they feel like they've invested in you completely so when you have a paid partnership i feel like like you're cheating it's like bro like a sellout but it's like, like a wise man once said karak and chips oh man don't pay for themselves they, no, they don't, don't pay for themselves they that's don't pay the bill <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> they don't pay the bill man yeah. um sick but yeah thank you you should start a fee institute. institute make it happen This audio experience is powered by Tooflis. Salam.